We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I just want to say good morning, good afternoon, good evening to absolutely nobody but New York Knicks fans today. I am your boy Menso. I am joined, as always, by Sean with the W and XJ. You can follow us all on Twitter at some point. But right now, we just want to bask and glow in the fact that our New York Knicks our New York Knicks, our New York Knicks just won a playoff series against the Cleveland Cavaliers in five games. Again, I don't even, man, I'm so disheveled. I'm so shaken up because I forgot to tell you that this is the Casual Fridays podcast on Knicks Film School. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in with us. Thank you guys for riding with us all year. And we are officially in the glory days. Sean, how are you feeling? How are the vibes, my friend? Oh, the vibes are... The vibes are hot. Like, the vibes are hot because they're full of heat. Because that's what's in our future for the next seven games, or six, or five, or four. But that's what the vibes are, man. Listen, 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 listen. Uh... This team is one, and we'll get to it, but there have been four times this century where you can say the New York Knicks are moving on to the next round. Four times this century, and one of them was Wednesday night. So uh, we should not take these for granted, as the last 20 years have brought us. Um, but listen, man, keep the, vi- the vibes are up, the vibes are hot, the vibes are whatever you want them to be, and keep it going, man. So looking forward to discussing what was what's what we experienced and what we hope to experience in the next uh week, week or two. Yeah, I think that's a great place to leave it. The vibes are hot. The vibes are actually so hot that XJ had to take his shirt off last night. <laughs> XJ, my boy, how are the vibes? <laughs> Wait, did, did something happen recently? Uh what, I don't oh, even... you haven't heard. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait, that's right. The the Heat beat the Bucks, right? That's what we're here to talk about. No, 
Oh, no, that's no, no, no. Wait, that's wait, that's the going. Giancarlo show. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Come on, guys. The vibes are immaculate. I got to keep it classic. I got to keep it old school. The vibes are just immaculate. It's just nothing else to say about it. You, you know, you couldn't be happier as a Knicks fan. I'm here with Sean with the dub, a legend. I'm here with Mensa, a legend, obviously. Um, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to be vibing with you guys on a very celebratory, casual Friday. We're chilling out. We're just we're just basking in it, man. We're basking in the heat in, in the Miami heat pretty soon. Um, gonna be basking in the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you know, like I the vibes are just perfect. Yeah, I'm just so excited, so happy to be here. Um, I'm gonna be taking my shirt off many more times, hopefully not on camera. Um, but you know, if, for those who don't know, I live in Florida. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I got to make my way down to Miami while I can to check out one of these games. So I'm excited and just couldn't be happier. Let's go. Great answer, XJ. I hope, <laughs> I hope you do actually get down to Miami and watch, you know, that game. Because if you arrive in the first quarter, you'll be there before 90% of Heat fans. But that is another topic for Talk another. about it. Yeah, I plan to move, I plan to get like those nosebleeds and just move down because nobody's going to be in those seats anyway. So, yeah. And at that point, it's like, well, we got here late, so we can't say anything to them. But let me tell you where the vibes are for me personally, guys. The vibes are exactly where I told you they would be two months ago. That is where the vibes are. Yeah. I got on this podcast two months ago, a casual Friday podcast. I'm not sure which one specifically. I think it was one we did like after the trade deadline or going into the second half of the season. And I told you guys. Four seed, five seed, I don't care. We are their kryptonite. We are better than them. The way we play basketball, the amount of people we could throw at Donovan Mitchell, who did not have a great playoff series, the depth, you name it. I I just always saw it coming. It came down to, is our offensive rebounding, are we going to win the possession battle? And by game five, Jared Allen, under his own admission, was not ready. He did not want the smoke. So where these Knicks are today is exactly where I told you they are. And I'm finally happy. Well, I'm not finally happy. I'm happy that you guys finally caught up to me and can share in my happiness with the New York Knicks. Sometimes the numbers, the numbers are very important. Don't get me wrong, but I like boxing. And one of the things that people say in boxing is matchups make, I'm sorry, styles make fights. The New York Knicks style punched the Cleveland Cavaliers' teeth out. In fact, they are no longer the Cleveland Cavaliers. They actually had to move. They are now the Cabo Cavaliers because that's where they all had to go after they left <laughs> Cleveland last night. The New York Knicks punching people's teeth out just the way I told you they would. So just, I don't know, man. Like, Let me ask you, let me ask you this. So first of all, yeah, shout out to the Cabo Cavaliers. Did, your, at, did at any point... Did your faith waver in Nixon five? No, and any <laughs> not, not not at all, not at all. Like I, t- I look. I thought they would win games one, three, four, and five. You won games one, three, four, and five. I thought that Bickerstaff made an adjustment, very, a great adjustment in game two, as far as um the Lavert adjustment, giving him more minutes and having him play, um basically go one on one and expose Jalen Brunson. But at the same time, in that game two victory, they needed so much like the Knicks got into their own head in that game two victory. I believe the Knicks lost that game more than the Cavs won that game. So at the end of it, like I wasn't shaken at all because when we went into Cleveland in game one, we punched them in their mouth 
playing our style versus their style. Game one is very pivotal in playoff series because the first team who has to make the adjustment means that the way they wanted to play didn't work out. So from game one, the New York Knicks style of play worked. This is what the Knicks wanted to do. They wanted to go out there, win the possession battle. They wanted to beat you up. They wanted to get physical. They wanted to slow the game down. And that's exactly what they did. And I will say this about the, the reason why my faith never wavered, because we always say that talent in the playoff series rises to the top, right? Specifically, when it comes to the style of play the Knicks play versus the style of play that the Cavaliers play, the New York Knicks, I'm sorry, the Cleveland Cavaliers had one of the best offensive basketball players in the NBA this year in Donovan Mitchell. The New York Knicks had the best offensive rebounder in the game in Mitchell Robinson going up against a poor defensive rebounding team in the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, look, we were always going to dominate them because it's not like we had, you know, a good offensive rebounder or a great offensive rebounder. No, we had elite offensive rebounding all season. And that's what ended up determining in the game. I'm sorry, the series. Possessions, possessions, possessions. And, of course, we had great Great, great games three through five from R.J. Barrett. It was just, at the end of it, I couldn't have told you that R.J. Barrett was going to have a great playoff series, even though you guys know I would have hoped and wished for it. I couldn't tell you that Julius Randle was going to play poorly. I couldn't tell you that Emmanuel Quickly was going to play poorly. But two things won this series for the New York Knicks. Well, three things. Defense the first, offensive rebounding, and our depth. That's been the case for the New York Knicks pretty much all season. Offensive rebounding and depth. And then finally with the defense, I always believed the New York Knicks had another level. Like they had another notch they could go to. Cleveland couldn't get better than first. They were playing their best defense all season. We always knew R.J. Barrett had better defense in him. We always knew Julius Randle could commit on the defensive end. And we got R.J. Barrett to commit defensively. And what that did for us in this series, just look at the shooting numbers. Just look at Donovan Mitchell shooting numbers. Just look at Darius Garland's shooting numbers. Just look at how poorly those guys played because of the way we were able to kick it up another notch and turn up the intensity in the way that Cleveland wasn't. So Nixon 5 was the way I was going. I never wavered, never felt any different. The only thing was like, man, am I actually going to be right? And then boom, I was right. Here we are, Nixon 5. So I, I was trying to figure out, okay, I originally picked Nixon 6 and I felt, and what really made me feel confident about the Knicks winning was when I saw that they basically, since they told Kevin Love to go scratch, which in hindsight, terrible decision, uh, they were the worst de- defensive rebounding team in the league. And I said, the worst defensive rebounding team against Mitchell Robinson. Something to keep in mind, right? I will say this. When did I know, if, if someone to ask me, when did you know that he, that Nixon 5 would, be a, would really come to fruition? Um, honestly, it wasn't until halftime of game five, because I actually felt very confident and shout out to everyone who should join us on playback on Wednesday night. I felt very confident we could win the game. Even when Julius went down, I was like, okay, we're not actually playing good basketball. We're up t- like we're up 10. Julius just limped off the court, but we literally beat this team in this building without Julius Randall. What? Three weeks earlier. Um, Uh, And so I always felt confident we could beat them. The reason why I was never confident, the reason there was, I'll give you another reason why I was confident and why I was, I'll I'll give you a reason why I was confident we could win the series in six. And I'll tell you why I, what kept me from buying into Knicks at five until that game, until the last game. You need 
eight guys to win a title. Now, I'm not saying the Knicks are going to win the title, but you need eight. You need eight guys. And I looked at and I, we're going to get back to that in a second. Why that's why that's pertinent. And I looked at their rust. I looked at our eight and I looked at their eight. And I didn't see eight for either side. Because you mean, them, uh, you, mean you don't four. like Ricky Rubio? You didn't like you don't like Ricky Rubio? You're not a Jake Fisher? Um, in the year of our Lord, 2023. No. Um. I looked down, like I looked at our roster and I didn't see eight. I saw nine and possibly 10 if needed. And I looked at their roster and I saw Chetty Osmond. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. What's, uh, what's his, what's his new name now? Cheddar Asman. Asman. <laughs> of Cabo. I saw him. I saw Karis Avert. I saw Lamar Stevens. I saw Danny Green. I didn't see eight guys. So that's why I felt like we should win this. We should win this series. Why I didn't buy into Nixon five? Because I said, all right, there's going to be the game where Donovan Mitchell scores 45 points on 20, 27 shots. So that game is coming and we're going to lose that game. And that's why it's going to go to six. And it didn't happen game one. He was good in game one, but he took 30. He got 38, but took 30 shots. He, he was supernova, but 30 and 30, 38 on 30 shots. Game two, he's like, all right, I'm, I'm, we got to get Darius Garland going. Cool. Game three and four in the garden. I'm like, okay. Now, shout out to, um, shout out to Doug B uh, on Twitter because he and someone else who I forget was talking about the spider stinker. Every playoff series, he has a game where he's eight for 27. I was like, okay. The spider stinker is coming to one of these next to one of these home games because I know he's going to try too hard and, and 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 it's just going to be a mess. But I also knew that like one of these games is going to come together, and for that to and for so that's why I was like I'm not like after game three I was like all right game four might happen. It didn't happen in game four, and I was like all right game five is going to happen. But halfway through game five, and he was on the way to whatever the hell he was doing. Wednesday night, I said, okay, we should not, I will be disappointed if we lose this game. So that's when I knew. Mental, uh, not miss. Actually, what about you? Yeah, I, um, so obviously I was not as bold and confident and brash as the big dog Mensa over here. Uh, I, I said Nixon seven. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> um, I, I said Nixon seven. And, and but I, I want to say, I think that the, you know, my opinion is that the numbers weren't necessarily like wrong or off. I think the challenge to the numbers was the durability of the numbers, like whether they were sustainable, whether they were transferable. I think that was the big question that I was not sure about and that we were shown unequivocally that they could transfer to the playoffs. And I'll explain what I mean. Um, and as, in addition to the numbers, there were other like, qualitative factors that I don't think could have been accounted for. Um, and I'll start with that. I did not expect their whole squad to be so shook. <laughs> I, I did not expect these guys to like legitimately just shrivel in the lights like that. I mean, I, I, I expect, I kind of expect just like NBA players to just 
be able to walk into arenas to have been playing in hostile environments their whole careers and in, in high school and college and the professionals playing on the road, you know, playing in tough environments, playing some playoff games is a lot of the players in the Cavs have some playoff experience. So, you know, I'm expecting like, okay, MSG is going to be ruckus. It's going to be crazy in there. Um, but it's, you know, it's going to be like, one standard deviation more than what they're used to. They can handle that little uptick. These guys could not handle that uptick. Like the uptick was not little XJ, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> they that was not handleable for them. Like uh, I, you know, Jared Allen. I, I respect Jared Allen because, like, he just acknowledged it in some of his comments. Just like, yeah, like I just wasn't expecting the lights to be that bright, and I think that just reflects like how a lot of their team felt. And I don't think I want to be clear. I don't think it's like, well, if these guys weren't shook, they would have won. I think the Knicks still should have won, and I'll explain why. And I'll explain why the numbers I think supported that. Um, but just the way that they were able to just kind of like dominate these guys in a game five in a game five where your season's on the line, where the guys that carry you are the bench players are the role guys on your team. They carry you. They're the reason why you didn't get blown out. You didn't get blown out in a game five where your season's on the line, where, where parts of your legacies are on the line. You're, you're, you're the higher ranked seed. You're the number one defense in the NBA. You're a top three net rating team in the NBA. Also, they hadn't won. They have not won a playoff series without LeBron James since 1993. 1990 30 years since they've talked about 30 years about LeBron. We're talking more years than than the ages on all of their starters. Like, come on, man. Like, you're gonna just go down like some ducks in game five. You're like your best player in the series is Karis Levert. I I mean, that that that's that's crazy. That that's that's crazy to say. I don't even I can't even believe that just came that out of was my mouth. not. Karis <laughs> Levert was your best player. Your best player in the series was Karis Levert. For what are you saying, Sean? I'm shaking my head like Snoop Dogg. Like <laughs> Karis Levert. Like, because <laughs> we see this movie before and we know how we know how because we saw this, we saw this movie last year in the playing game where yeah. it was like, we need a bucket. Who are we going to? Karis Levert? <laughs> and here we are again. Just and, and and you know, those are just some of the things that I I don't like I couldn't have anticipated or seen coming. But at the same time, the I want to I want to clarify that I think I want to make sure the talk is not like um, you know, Mensa, you just like went out on a limb and just went with your gut kind of thing. I think your opinion was completely sound, was completely sound. And I think it was it was data informed, it was informed by your accounting of some of the, like I said, some of the qualitative factors you talked about some of these guys shrinking under the spotlight. Like you talked about those things. I just want to be clear. Like, it's not like you were just like, I'm a Knicks fan, Knicks and five. You, you had a completely sound opinion that was informed by data informed by your observations. Um, and I think it was completely fair for you to go Knicks and five and, and you're right. You're a legend. Um, what, what I just want to say really quickly is that, the thing I was most concerned about that made me say Nixon seven, as opposed to being on the Nixon five, Nixon six side was, I just was concerned all season. I've talked about this so many times. Can their style of play with the offensive rebounding, with the possession battle, can that transfer to the playoffs? Like, can you just get offensive rebounds when the other team is like, we got to stop you from getting offensive rebounds. Like I didn't believe, I couldn't believe that that's just a thing you can just enforce on your opponent by will. And by skill, 
And they did it. And Mitch showed that not only does he, you know, we talk a lot about perimeter gravity, like guys who can shoot threes, they command a gravity on the perimeter, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, guys like that. We talk about like post gravity, like guys like Joel Embiid, he's posting up your, your, you have your team, whole team has to kind of suck down Giannis, his driving in, um, uh, creates that down low, um, inside gravity. Mitchell Robinson confers like an offensive rebounding gravity. Like you have to choose. Are we going to play up and try to contest Brunson and leave Mitchell Robinson to just get every single offensive rebound? Or are we going to play back, try to box out Mitch and let Brunson just roast us? Those two guys together are so they they play off each other so well in terms of their skill sets, complementing one another. And we saw Josh Hart. And Josh, Josh Hart, Hart, another one. Absolutely. Because you have to get a body on these guys early. You can't wait till the shot goes up to get a body on them because they're already in position to get the offensive rebound. You have to get a body on them early, which means more space for Brunson, more space for RJ Barrett. And it just changes the complexity and the dynamic of the game. And they showed that that's a real thing. To me, they proved this series, not only proved that the Knicks were better than the Cavs, which I think is undoubtable, unequivocally true, but they also proved that their style of play can transfer to the playoffs. And even if you want to stop them, even if you know what they're going to do, even if you know that Mitch and Hartenstein and, and Hart and Randall and all these guys are coming for offensive rebounds, they're still going to get them. There's nothing you could do about it. So, you know, I think it was super meaningful in a philosophical sense in that way. Um, and it was just like great to see. Just great to see. What's up, Knicks fans? GMAC here interrupting this episode with a very important programming note. As you know, the New York Knicks take on the Miami Heat in the second round of the NBA playoffs. Game one is hosted by the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. I can't believe it either. Well, if you can't afford to go to the game or just don't want to go to the game, but you still want to watch the game with a bunch of raucous Knicks fans like yourself. You know where you got to go? It's the second ever KFS playoff watch party, baby. We're going to Penn 6, 132 West 31st Street, Midtown. It's walking distance from Madison Square Garden. The frequently asked questions we get. It's free of charge. Bring your kids. Bring your friends. You could bring as many friends as you want to. Let's pack that place out with Knicks fans. There's even drink specials on the menu this time. $5 on select drafts. $6 on house wine. $8 on house drinks. You want to be there and watch it with the KFS crew. Game one, Knicks against the Heat. It's going down. Again, that's 132 West 31st Street. Be there at 1230 when the New York Knicks take on the Miami Heat. I just want to throw this question to you, Sean. Do you think that the Knicks... What do you think happened here? The Knicks won the series or the Cavs lost it? Like if you had to put like percentages on it, how would you have it? It'd be like 60-40 Knicks won, Cavs lost. Like how would you how would you do that? I'm glad you said percentages because you can't it, it like the people who are there saying, well, first of all, shout out to, shout out to uh, the Cavs thinking that some of them thinking that they were the better team, that they were better than the team. They played nine times and lost seven. <laughs> XJ, I loved your tweet. I loved your tweet, XJ. Oh, my goodness. Can you please inform the people of your tweet? Yeah, for 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 those who don't know, um, I I can actually I can I'll actually pull it up while you're talking, Sean, and then I can, okay. I can read off what happened. No problem. Um, yeah, th- whatever. But you know, it it it's there's nuance involved, right? There are things that, like listen, the team that won won, but there are things that the team the team that the winning team did that forced the other team to lose. 
So I would say it's going to be about like 70, 30, because it comes down to how much credence or how much, uh, how much influence or how much weight do you put on the deficiencies of the Cleveland Cavaliers that the New York Knicks are able to take advantage of. Like the Knicks won the rebounding battle. The Knicks were deeper. The Knicks forced JB Bickerstaff to, and I was saying this on a playback during game five, like he's cycling through guys on his bench because he's trying to find something. Like I guess I said it earlier, like Danny Green, Lamar Stevens, Chetty Osmond, um, uh, uh, Paris LeVert. To your point, Sean, real quick, to your point, Sean, the Knicks are deeper than the Cavs without two of their starters. They're still deeper. (laughs) Without Quinn Grimes and Julius Randle, the Knicks are still a deeper team than the Cavs. That's crazy. Listen, the Knicks won this series because they were the deeper team. They were the... Our, we had the best player in the series. And and the funny thing is, I don't know who it could be because there's actually two guys to choose We had the from. three best players in the series. We had the, yes. <laughs> but no, you're right. We're the three best players in the series. Like, you could, some people say RJ. Some people say Brunson. Some people say Mitch. And you know what? I'm not going to argue with you. So we had that. And we had a coach. And listen. There's- I'm sorry, four best players, because I would also say Josh Hart was better than um, Mr. Castleberg. Yeah, that's a good you know point. I, I'll say this, you know, and Lord knows I have given Tom Thibodeau his his fair share of shit. And a lot of it deserved. Um, well, I said, what I, I said this, I said this on this podcast weeks ago. Uh, fear does the work of reason. And once he realized like, Hey, I'm going to lose my dream job. He has been coaching to, he's been coaching in a manner that is commensurate with someone who of his ilk. Um, he outmaneuvered JB Biggerstaff in every sense of the word. Um, in every, in every manner, um, every decision he made that his timeouts were perfect. Listen, I don't know. A lot of people would have put Julius back in the, back in that game four, um, yeah, including Tom Thibodeau last year would have put Julius back in that game. What so, a great point! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, but Tom Thibodeau said, "You know what? Like, like I always push back on. He wants to win every game, and I would say, no, it's not that he wants to win every game. He just doesn't want to lose. No, that game four, he's like, I'm winning this game. I'm winning this game, and that's why I'm keeping him in there. Last thing I'll say is. Listen, where did Cleveland lose it? Like I said, 70-30 Cleveland. Cleveland just they didn't have the they didn't have the depth. Donovan Mitchell was awful. Darius Garland was shooting tour, both of them were shooting tour dates. And and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen just got owned. And and to go deep on Evan Mobley, like the Donovan Mitchell trade accelerated their timeline. Because if they don't make that trade, Evan Mobley can just be Evan Mobley. But now they needed more from Evan Mobley probably a year or two before he was ready. That doesn't mean I don't now we can slow down on the Kevin Garnett stuff or the Tim Duncan stuff. I think he'll be a good player, but this showed this the playoffs like 
uh, Ryan Russillo said, like, the playoffs are – in the playoffs, you can't lie to yourself anymore. Like, you can lie to yourself during a regular season, but you cannot lie to yourself in the playoffs. And, and this and this, and, and, and this series just took a big mirror to Cleveland. Like, these are your flaws. So that's where they lost it. But listen, when you win in five games, you won it. Period. End of story. Like when you don't play, when you don't shoot well, it's because that the other team forced you not to shoot well. It's like Teddy Bruschi always used to say. Um, I remember because when he and I'll wrap up here when they when the Pats used to kick the Colts' ass every year, and one year someone and the Colts fans were whining about it just because of the turnovers, just because we turned the ball over. If we don't turn the ball over, and Teddy Bruschi never forgets, he said, "Turnovers just don't happen; they're forced." We forced them to do the things they didn't want to do. We forced them to do the things they weren't good at. We forced them to do it. And that's why it's 7030 we want. And if you say 80-20, I wouldn't lie to you either. I would I wouldn't I would not I wouldn't lie to you. I would I would never lie to you, but I would <laughs> I wouldn't argue with you. Yeah, so I personally I am uh 85 Knicks won, 15% Cavs lost because when you are a superstar offensive talent the way Donovan Mitchell is, you should be better than that. The Knicks, I felt from when we played them in January, we were coming off a five game losing streak and they were, they were our get right game. And I watched Deuce McBride and I watched um, Quentin Grimes and I watched um, Emmanuel quickly. I watched these guys just switch on a Donovan Mitchell and make his life hell. Like when I was able to watch that. I'm like, wow, this is not the team for him to play against. He played poorly, again, just to piggyback off of what Sean said, because we made him play poorly. It was that simple. Donovan Mitchell had to go to, the only space he was really able to create for himself was off those step-back threes. And those are, look, he's that, those are cool and everything, but you're not Dame Lillard, sir. You do not shoot those at an outrageous rate the way Dame does. So you're playing into our hands when you're shooting it that way. Again, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley just, um, to quote uh, the great Charles Barkley, a little too light in the cakes. Uh, they were not ready. They weren't ready for us at all. They were a poor defensive rebounding team playing against the best offensive rebounder in basketball. That's us. Like, again, that game one, game one is normally my will versus your will. Because the first person who has to adjust is admitting that their will and their way did not work. The Knicks in game one went into Cleveland and took that from them. That was not a game that the Cavs lost. The Knicks... Because, look, the Cavs have the number one defense in the NBA. The, the Knicks did not play well. The Knicks didn't, they didn't shoot well in that game. As far as when I say they didn't play well, I mean they didn't play well offensively. Because that's who we've been all season. In EFG, we're 20th in effective field goal percentage. We are 20th in the league, played up against the number one defense, right? So they got what they wanted as far as like, okay, we're going to make these guys miss shots. What we bet on was like, all right, we'll miss shots. But then Josh Hart and Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein are going to kill you on the glass. And that's exactly what happened. Our strategy worked more than their strategy, like completely. And then we were able to take them out of their game. And then, I mean, come on, man. Like the way they got shook, the way they got so shook. And look, I saw it coming because Darius Garland, I think, when he was coming out, he tore his ACL. So he didn't, he might've played like 12 games in college. Um, Evan Mobley went to USC. Um, 
their best players, except for Donovan Mitchell, who played at Louisville, played Big East, ACC. Like he's like he played in like the heart of college basketball, especially like Kentucky's, which is a college basketball state. Everybody else that they relied on in that core four hasn't really seen smoke, you know. And then when you're coming out of college or you're coming out of high school, you're dominating everybody. So there really isn't much pressure unless you're on the AAU circuit and all that sort of stuff. And I don't think Evan Mobley, um, Darius Garland and Jared Allen are really AAU legends. I don't I don't think that's the case. I didn't see their high school mixtapes. Um, and then they played for poor teams. So they were not built for the moment. This moment was always bigger than them. And the New York Knicks were always better than them. So the results did not shock me. I think the Knicks 85 percent. I think 85-15, the Knicks won it. The Cavs lost it. That's where I'm at with that. Yeah, I I mean, I echo with a lot of both of you said, um, and I think those perspectives are totally valid. I mean, I think I'm more along the lines of like 75-25, but that the Knicks won the series and the Cavs lost it. Um, But I want to start by going over that quote, that that tweet that you mentioned, Mensa. Um, uh, Chris Fedor, who I, I believe is a beat reporter for the Cavs, um, seems like a nice guy. Nothing personal against him, but he tweeted out... A lot of nice guys in Cleveland, huh? A lot of nice guys. <laughs> a lot of really nice guys in Cleveland, not going to lie. Um, he tweeted out, Cavs Ricky Rubio reiterated what Danny Green said to me in the locker room last night and what I reported this morning. There was a feeling, and still is that the Cavs were better than the Knicks, but they didn't show it and New York wanted it more. So I quote, I quote tweeted, tweeted that and said, uh, Pistons, James Weissman <laughs> reiterated what Corey Joseph said to me last, the last night of the season, what I reported this morning, there was a feeling and still is that the Pistons are the best team in the NBA, but they didn't show it. And the rest of the league wanted it more. <laughs> And and the point of that tweet is just to demonstrate the absurdity of that kind of way of thinking. Like that is cope to another. Like I don't call it's extreme copium. It's extreme. It's extreme. The Cabo Copaliers, man. The Copaliers, clearly. <laughs> the Copaliers. Like that is extreme cope. Like nah, man. Um, we were really better than them. Like they just wanted it more. That's why they beat us seven out of nine games and four out of five playoff games, multiple of which our entire season was on the line. And, you know, they just, yeah, they, they just wanted a lot more. That's why they beat us. Not because they were better, not because they enforced their will on us. Like that's a, you can say that about anyone at anything. Like I demonstrated about the Pistons. Like you can just say that, Hey, uh, no, nah, man, like we, we, we really think we're better. We know we're better, but, uh, I didn't try hard. I, I just didn't is. try hard enough. in the yeah, playoffs. Like, <laughs> that makes me feel so much better. Like, like if anything, that's worse. Like to be honest, even if it was true. So I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that that is to me actually indicative that the Knicks were better. When you have to say something like that, when you have to cope to that level, I think internally, you know, there's a cognitive dissonance there of like, man, they were better than us. And I can't say it. Right. I can't say it. So to me, that pushes it more towards it. It was more of a Knicks win um, than a Cavs loss. Um, The only reason I give them 25% on the Cavs loss is really what you said, Mensa. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. I'm looking at his playoff, uh, his series stats right now. (laughs) Donovan Mitchell played 41 minutes per game, scored 23 a game on literally 43% from the field and 29% from three. He shot 72% from the free throw line. Let's just think about this. 
72% for the free throw line. Doesn't sound like a big deal. He missed five of 18 free throws. Donovan Mitchell's like an 86% career free throw shooter. It's the worst free throw um, percentage of his career in any playoff series thus far through age 26. Um, Donovan Mitchell was not making shots that he normally makes. And I don't know if he was shook. He's performed on huge stages. I, it's just really unclear, but... I think if a guy is a real superstar, a true superstar, you can't just force them to be like bad. You you can't just for, like, and we'll talk about it. I mean, one of our next subjects, we're, we're going to talk about Miami and, and, and looking forward on that. You couldn't force Jimmy to just be bad. Um, if, if you're, you can't just force Donovan to just play this way. And I think partially it was, it was on him and partially it was on the Knicks. So that's the only part where I'm like, okay, I think there was some unforced, error here coming from Donovan Mitchell. I'm not sure why, um, but I don't, I, I, I believe in him as a really excellent high level offensive player, one of the top 10 offensive players in the game. And he was not that he was not that he was a high volume, inefficient score is what he was in this, in this series. And then the last thing that I want to say, as far as like to the Knicks credit with winning um, this series I looked at the stats and this is something I've been logging for basically, well, not basically the entire series. I've been logging the, the key um, statistical points that I keep track of for every Knicks game, basically all season. It's their turnover percentage, their offensive rebounding percentage, their true shooting percentage and their free throw rate. So I've been tracking that all uh, five games. Cause I, I can't find a place that releases those stats uh, on a game by game basis. Um, the last two games, the Knicks, it was almost identical. It's kind of crazy to see games four and games five turnover percentage. What for both games was 13% offensive rebound percentage for both games was 40%, 40% offensive rebounding percentage. Like really hard to win when you give up 40% um, rebounding. 40% is an, uh, to just to put it in the context for people, like that's an absolute absurd number. That would be the, the highest percentage by any team ever in NBA history. Um, 40% offensive rebound percentage, both games. And then also free throw rate was very similar. 33% in game four, 34% in game five. The Knicks enforced their style of play. There's no way around it. You can't say that the Cavs just let them do that. The Knicks forced it to happen. And for that, I, you have to give the Knicks credit for winning the series. It's really almost impossible to say um, that it's any more than like 30% on the Cavs. This is a Knicks like team that came in and dominated and enforced their will and did what they wanted to do. And the Cavs knew what they wanted to do and could not stop them from doing it. But I, I, I'm definitely on the side of, of it's, it's absolutely a Knicks win as opposed to a Cavs loss. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your 
own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 15 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or Southwest pork and bean burritos. If you're like me and just don't have time for food shopping, let the groceries come to you. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool50 and use code FilmSchool50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool50 and use code FilmSchool50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I'm glad we can all agree that the Knicks won that series because I'm tired of the narrative around the New York Knicks being that we're this happy-go-lucky Oh, LOL Knicks, because like LOL Knicks to me is kind of morphed to like, holy shit, Knicks, you know, like, no, like the Knicks are real. The Knicks are here. The Knicks went out there, punched the team in the mouth that everybody loved all year. And it was symbolic for a lot of us because this was the team that took Donovan Mitchell from us. And this is the team that Danny Ainge said, okay, you're going to give me what I want. I'm not even going to call the Knicks back. They're going to be a laughing stock and you guys are going to elevate to contender. That's what everybody thought. Um, didn't end up happening that way, did it? I guess we'll never know. Nope. <laughs> That's where I put it. So just to put a more, you know, just stick a pin in this one. Nick's better. Nixon in five. I told you. So the, I believe the Cleveland, I'm sorry. I believe the Miami heat series starts before our next casual Fridays. Correct. That is correct. That is right. All right. So I guess we have nothing else left to do but to talk about this series and give and be the first, I guess, podcast on the Knicks Film School Podcast Network, I guess, um, to preview this series. So, um, Sean, I'll kick it to you. How do you feel about the Knicks chances against the Heat? All right. So the decision, as we all remember, um, I was actually in Atlanta when the decision happened. And the next day. I remember listening to Bill Simmons. He had Dan Lepitard on and, you know, they're, you know, every, they were printing up, they were already printing up like the, the, the final ticket stuff. Right. And I never forget Bill Simmons is like, you know what? All right. The problem is, all right, you got, you know, you got LeBron Wade boss, but you need eight guys. And, and I'm just looking at this roster. I don't see eight guys. And Lepitard was like, what do you mean eight guys? I got these three guys. It doesn't matter. Like, 
And he's like, yeah, but you know, you got, yeah, you know, you might have to. Bill Simmons is like, I'm not really, not really buying it. And, 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 and Levitar was like, of course, you know, the Boston guy, you know, when you get your big three, uh, it doesn't matter who the, it doesn't matter who the guys are. And Bill's like, well, they had, we had Ray Rondo. And Levitar was like, no, 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 no. No, it's not that you had Ray Rondo. He was just a guy. And then when he was, then when he, when he was paired next to these three guys, then he became Ray Rondo. The point the Levitar is trying to say is like, if you have the, if you have three guys who are like all-star guys, eight, no, eight guys, you could put any five guys next to them and they should win because you have this level of talent at the top. And Everyone remembers game six of the finals, the where LeBron is just checked out and the JJ Barea charge and everything. But what people do not remember is that Dirk Nowitzki was actually god awful for the first three quarters of that game. People forget that. But you know who picked him up? Jason Terry, Sean Marion, Deshaun Stevenson came in and hit big shots. And you know who the Heat were depending on? Mike Bibby and Eddie House. Because you need eight guys to win. And I am now looking at the box score of the Miami Heat from Wednesday night's game. And I see Jimmy Butler. Cool. I see Bam Adebayo, you know, defensive player of the year candidate. Cool. I see Gabe Vincent. I see Max Struess. I see Kevin Love. I see Caleb Martin. I see Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, you know, legit player. Probably can go to Hall of Fame. That's another discussion from the day. And then I see Duncan Robinson, Cody Zeller, and Haywood Highsmith. They ain't got eight guys. Now, listen, they got one guy at the top. Hey, listen, playoff Jimmy, listen, we, we will not, we will, I will not besmirch the name of playoff Jimmy. But listen, they don't got eight guys. I look at them. I don't see eight. I look at ours. I don't see eight because I see nine and ten. So, listen, I think my prediction is Nixon five because I don't think. Whoa! I look, <laughs> I look at this team Let's and I'm go. like, listen, I don't know what Milwaukee was doing. All I know is I know what everything that Mike Dudenholzer did, Tom Thibodeau is not going to do and vice versa. I look at this team and I'm like, Jimmy, are you going to score? Are you going to score eight, eight, 38 points a game for five or six games? Because that's what you're going to have to do. And I don't think you're going to do it. I, do, I, I know you're going to try, but no, I like there are too many. We have too many guys that throw at him. We have too many people that can take advantage of the holes in their roster. Again, Duncan Robinson played 15 minutes last night. Max Struess played 38 minutes last night. Gabe Vincent played 41 minutes last night. No, no, no. Now, Haywood Highsmith played three minutes last night. No, 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 no. Knicks in five. I'm putting that on wax. <laughs> Knicks in five. Let's go. XJ, you want to jump in? Yeah, that's tough. Um, I, I, so, okay. I totally agree with Sean's diatribe there. I, I, I mean, Knicks but I do want to. Five. Woo! <laughs> I, I, I want to just contextualize a couple things really quick and then I'll say what my pick is. Um, so I'm looking forward to the series. I, I, I think the Knicks should be the clear favorite. Um, I'm just, I just want to be clear. I'm not one of the people who is like, wow, this is so much of an easier series than we would have had against Milwaukee. I know everybody's like, yo, that's crazy. 
I want to lay something out here. This may come as a shock, but you could one could credibly argue that Jimmy Butler had a better season this year, not even including the playoffs, than Giannis. You could argue that. This was his best season. I, don't, I, I think that's a pretty solid argument. This is Jimmy's best season of his career. Um, and uh, listen, if you're someone who's listening to this and spitting your coffee out right now at that statement, like, let me just make the comparison. So first, when I, first thing, when I look at comparing players over a large enough sample size, I do the old XJ test, which is comparing how they rate out on the four impact metrics that I value, EPM, LeBron, DPM, Raptor. We could look at box score only based um, metrics like BPM. And finally, we could look at their efficiency and per 100 possession averages. I'm going to go super quick through it. On the season, not including the playoffs, Jimmy has a higher than Giannis, has a higher EPM, a higher Raptor. Giannis has a higher LeBron and a higher DPM. Jimmy has a slightly higher uh, box plus minus BPM. And because he's played more minutes, he also has a, a higher VORP. Per 100, Giannis is at 46 points, which is crazy. 46 points, 18 rebounds, 9 assists, 6 turnovers on 61% true shooting. Per 100, Jimmy is at 34 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, only 2 turnovers, and 65% true shooting. My point here is not that Jimmy was way better than Giannis this year or anything like that, but they have, they have had very comparable years. And you could absolutely argue that Jimmy Butler was better than Giannis this season, that, that, that Giannis got a bunch of MVP votes. So I don't know how many he got, but we know he got a lot. Um, you could absolutely argue that Jimmy has been better. Let's look at the five-game series that Jimmy Butler just had. <laughs> per game, not per 100, per game... <laughs> Jimmy scored 38 points per game, had six rebounds, five assists on 60% shooting from the field. Not true shooting, 60% shooting from the field, 44% shooting from three. Like, no math needed. He's not 60%, bro. It's just from the field. This is basic. Like, and think about the context of this. He's the only on ball threat that that team really has being guarded by one of the best perimeter defensive players of our generation. Not one, not a really good perimeter defensive player. One of the best perimeter defensive players of our generation, Drew Holiday. So Not Giannis, but that's, we could discuss that we later. Could, we could discuss, yeah. We, that's, a, that's another conversation. Um, but I, I, only five games, that's fair. But all of that considered, this is legitimately one of the greatest individual postseason series that we've ever seen. And I don't know if it's like, it's like top 15, I think you could say. Like top 15. Uh, five games makes it maybe not as great as a six or seven game performance. But over five games, it's up there somewhere. Um, so all this is not to say that Jimmy is better than Giannis or anything like that. But I'm just saying <laughs> this guy, Jimmy, can absolutely steal a series from any team in the NBA. A team that's better than his team. All that saying, all that being said, I wanted this matchup. This is the matchup I would like to have. Um, I would love to have a healthy Quentin Grimes at some point in this series. I would love to have a non-hobbled Julius Randle. Something that we didn't get to talk about in this Cavs series. That game five from Julius Randle before he got hurt. That boy was a monster. The three of us and, and Andrew and GMAC were watching on playback. And we were just like, yo, Randle is... Is, is on one right now. He's a beast right now. No one can hold him. He's just trucking his way, bullying to the rim. If we had that Randall, I would say Nixon four or five, honestly. That Randall was whew, scary. Jimmy Butler scary, potentially. Um, but all that being said, I'm going to go Nixon six, 
Um, the the Miami Heat, you know, are uh, are a good rebounding team, much better rebounding team than the Cavs. So we're, I don't think we'll be able to just easily just like body bag them on the boards this series. Um, the Knicks are the much better team. I think Jimmy's gonna can steal one or two games. I believe that he single handedly can win one or two games, and I think that's probably what's gonna happen. But the Knicks are the much better team, much better team, um, and should be able to close this out before even the game seven. I think that you guys make really great arguments, and I lean. I'm somewhere between five and six, whether the Knicks will win in five or the Knicks will win in six. I don't think the Miami Heat will be swept for one reason and one reason, well, for two reasons, because Jimmy Butler can win you a game and those shooters can win you a game. So it's like, hey, will Jimmy Butler win one and will the shooters win one? That's two games. Knicks win in six. Um, And another thing for me is, which is why it's kind of tough. Sean, earlier you said that the Cleveland Cavaliers became the worst defensive rebounding team in basketball when they lost Kevin Love. Well, Kevin Love went to the Miami Heat and Kevin Love is averaging around 10 and a half defensive, re- well, 10 and a half rebounds a game. Well, 10 and a half rebounds per 36 since he's been a Miami, a member of the Miami Heat. And they are a top five defensive rebounding team in the entire league. Um, styles make fights, guys. Um, will Mitchell Robinson be able to dominate Bam Adebayo and Kevin Love the way he dominated Evan Mobley and Jared Allen? I don't think so because they're very different basketball players. Kevin Love and Bam Adebayo are grown-ass men. They, are, they, they have their man bones. They have their man bodies. So does Mitchell Robinson. Don't get me wrong. And he's more athletic than the two. But rebounding really isn't as much about athleticism as much as about like positioning, want to, guile, all of those things. So I'm not sure if Mitchell Robinson will have the same series that he had against. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm not. It's not that I'm not sure. I'm pretty confident Mitchell Robinson will not be as good against the Miami Heat as he was against the Cleveland Cavaliers because on the rebounding level alone, they are polar opposites. Polar opposites. So that's the first thing that makes me a little nervous. But I was talking to Robert Cross, man. And shout out to Robert Cross, the boss, man. Shout, shout out to him. Happy birthday, Rob. Happy belated birthday, Robert. Big 53 wins, man. And I'm thinking about Jimmy Butler being able to win us a game. So I'm like, be, win them a game, I'm sorry. And I'm like, man, I don't, this is getting tough. And then he reminded me, that good man reminded me, who's going to guard RJ Barrett? I don't think it's going to be Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler is going to be guarding Jalen Brunson. Gabe Vincent was going to so, be trying to guard RJ Barrett. <laughs> so will it be Duncan Robinson? No, 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 they no, won't no, do no. that. No, John, no, no. no. John, John was discussing last night on the playback. It's like they'll probably because it, 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 it's a, it's a bit of a conundrum because it's like okay, if you put Jimmy on Brunson, then you have Gabe Vincent on RJ, and as um, DJ Zulo tweeted, like. Uh, they won't be able to get away with Gabe Vincent on this RJ Barrett. So they'll probably start with Lowry on Brunson, and then that puts Jimmy, and then that puts Jimmy on, um, and then that puts Jimmy on RJ, which will neutralize RJ. But then you have Kevin Love guarding Julius Randle. I'd like to see that. So if, if then, I'm not mistaken, I'm, it's a bunch of problems. It's Kyle bunch of Lowry. Problems. Kyle Lowry comes off the bench. He played 18 minutes last night. I'm going to tell you right now, if they think they can put Max Struess on freaking on, on Jalen Brunson, it's curtains for them. So I, I wouldn't be surprised curtains. if Lowry starts or if Lowry, he may not start, but he'll play a, he'll play a, a ton of more minutes. 
But so just to get back to what I was saying, um, who's going to guard RJ Barrett? That's a real conundrum for these guys, like a real one. On top of that, I was um, Macri. He was saying that the Heat shot 45% from three, which is out of this world, right? Great, great rate. It was higher than what they did in the regular season. This is really bothering me. It was higher than what they were doing in the just great shooting for them. Better than they've ever done. And I pointed and I posited that maybe having 36-year-old Wesley Matthews, um, Chris Middleton, who's in and out of injuries, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, Joe Ingles, maybe having those guys as your wings contributed to that as opposed to what the Knicks are going to throw out there. So I'm pretty confident that Miami's not going to shoot that way against us. I don't think they're going to shoot that way against us. I don't think that they have enough. I don't think they have enough dogs to go up against RJ Barrett, Jalen Brunson, Emmanuel quickly. Quentin Grimes might bounce back. Josh Hart. I think we are deeper than them. I think that we're maybe not tougher than them, but we're pretty tough on our own. I think Julius Randle, if he's healthy, please let that ankle be good. Please let that ankle be good because they cannot guard him at all. They that's can't a, guard That's him. a whole difference maker. If Julius is healthy, that's a whole difference maker. So where I'm at with it, I'm going to land on Knicks in five. I think the that's Knicks win right. the series in five games. I think the Knicks win the first two games in Madison Square Garden. I think they lose game three. I think that's the Jimmy Butler game. I think that mm-hmm. one right there. And then I think the Knicks bounce back well. Game four and then game five, we close it out in Madison Square Garden. And we have a party on 7th Avenue. That's where I'm at with it. It's a New parade York inside my in city. Yeah. yeah. Inside my city. Yeah. <laughs> Nixon in five. Why not us? Why not us? Let's go. Why not us? Because listen, listen, they shot Miami shot in that series 52% from the field and 45% from three. Jimmy Butler, who shot this year's shots, I have this right here, who sh- this year shot 35% from three. Shot 44%. Gabe Vincent, who shot 33% from three, shot 42%. Caleb Martin, who shot 35% from three this year, against the Bucks, shot 43%. Max Struess, 35% from three this year, 41% from three. Now, what does give me pause is that the Knicks defense is designed to allow not good three-point shooters to shoot threes. Uh, Like, Jimmy can have all the threes he wants. I don't care, right? Um, And listen, we've seen Gabe Vincent go, like, I say for some reason he sees us and then he's like, he's like, he's like his, he has a purple and gold jersey on number eight under it, right? Um, But the key for us will be, listen, you can't be in a game if you can't guard anybody. And if we can take advantage of our depth and the ability to, like, Hunt matchups, fine matchups. Again, like I said, Gabe Vincent cannot guard this this RJ Barrett. A healthy Julius Randle. Listen, I've seen Julius give this dude. I've seen Julius give Bam forty three or forty two points. Like Max Drews against Brunt. No, so I I I can see there. I can see them coming back down to earth. And I agree with you, Mensa. I think that's how the series goes. I I will say it won't surprise me if. They, we dropped game one because Jimmy just came out and just like went supernova. But I think I see where you're going. Win one and two, lose three, win four, win five. 
I also wanted to add really quickly, and I agree with everything you're saying there. Um, with the, as far as the shooting goes, like they're not going to do that against us. You're not going to shoot better in the playoffs against the New York Knicks. The one thing is that the Knicks defense has been nails. A lot of it, I think, is because RJ Barrett's not getting beat. There's no need to recover. And, you know, there's no need to, to crash, recover. No, guys can stay home because that initial dribble penetration isn't there. And they don't have a dribble penetration. To, like Miami don't got Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell who could beat you off the dribble whenever they want. They do not have that. And another thing that's really pivotal for Miami, which um, essentially um, RJ Barrett's lunch date, Tyler Hero is not going to be playing this series. And that's pretty important for Miami because this year, Tyler Hero averaged 23 points, 4.8 assists, and four and a half rebounds against us in the four games we played them. Look, I think Tyler Hero's fooled whenever he sees RJ Barrett. But the one thing about Tyler Hero that they're going to miss is Tyler Hero is the Miami Heat's best three-point shot creator. He can walk into threes. Like, he can dribble, do all that sort of stuff. Nobody else in Miami scaring me like that. Nobody else can hit those shots the way Tyler Hero can hit those shots. And we were allowing him. We were going under screens and he was just killing us. And um, in like the third and the fourth quarter, like some second half system games, they don't have that. Tyler Hero's not walking through those doors for the Miami Heat this series. So that's going to be a really big adjustment for them. I don't think Jimmy Butler's shoulders that big. And these New York Knicks, man, like, listen, Tom Thibodeau is coaching like the rent is due. You know, so I'm, I'm pretty confident New York Knicks in five. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, and I just want to co-sign what you both said. The shooting is going to come down to earth for Miami, and it would even without regard to the Knicks defense. Like, you're not shooting that percentage for a sustainable period of time, regardless of the defense that's played on you. Like, if they continued to play Milwaukee for five more games, they wouldn't shoot, like, four in the 45%. Like, that's just not going to happen. A team can't sustain that kind of shooting. Um, and totally, I just also want to co-sign what you said, Mensa. The New York... Nick's defense is different when RJ is locked in like this defensively. We're seeing like 2021 RJ Barrett, who we thought would be a great two-way wing, um, you know, in his sophomore year. The warden is back. (laughs) The warden is back. Like in his sophomore year playing legitimately very much above average defense. um, A guy that we're like, okay, we could see this guy ascending to being a great two-way wing we're seeing a return of that guy. And that makes the New York Knicks defense completely different. So throw out with the window, the 18th ranked or 15, I don't remember what they were ranked in the, in the season. Um, it's a different defense with RJ playing like this. Um, but I just, and, and, and I want you all to end it Knicks and five. I think those are great picks, completely valid picks. My only thing is that I think Jimmy is not Donovan Mitchell. Those are two different. Those are two different species. Donovan Mitchell can go away and he can be quiet and he can just have an awful series and kind of just go, you know, quietly into the night. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that from Jimmy. So that's my main concern. But, you know, I, I think you guys are on point with your picks watching it with both of you, with all three of you, game five, the Knicks clinch, Mensa the prophecy is true. Um, just having that experience with you guys after an incredible KFS season, just the ultimate experience that I can hope for as a Knicks fan. So I'm just super happy, ready for this next series coming up and looking forward to a Eastern Conference. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I, a Eastern Conference final. <laughs> is what I'm looking forward to. So that's the last thing I got to say. Uh, last thing I'll say is to all the people 
who cried all season that the Knicks should have made a Donovan Mitchell trade, whether you're on a four-letter network, on a bird app, on YouTube. Um, I'm going to quote my man, Sean Geddes. I hate Sean who said today, look what traded for got, look, look what trading for Donovan Mitchell got Donovan Mitchell. Like we beat Donovan Mitchell with the guy that we were traded for Donovan Mitchell. And if you feel like you need to remind those people who terrorize you about not making the Mitchell trade, about the head coach, about R.J. Barrett, about Julius Randle, the people who said that Jalen Brunson is an overpay and he's too short and all that, you have my full permission to spend the block on every single last one of them. Yeah. Because it ain't no fun. Oh. When the rabbits got the gun. <laughs> XJ. Oh, I, I, I'm I'm good. I'm closed out. I'm ready to go. I'm locked in. What you gotta say, Mensa? <sighs> Lord have mercy on the Eastern Conference fans of Twitter if the New York Knicks end up in the Eastern Conference Finals because all year I had to hear about how everybody's team is better than ours. But to be honest, there are two blocks that we need to be spinning if that happens. If, 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 if that happens. But you know me, I'm optimistic. If the New York Knicks go to the Eastern Conference Finals, which, let's be honest, should happen. The, the Miami Heat, 21st in net rating, 25th ranked offense, they're not that great. We should beat them. If we go there, that would mean that the New York Knicks would have advanced to a round of the playoffs that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's Brooklyn Nets have never been to. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, have mercy on your poor souls because oh, you want to talk about block spinning. <laughs> <laughs> On a national, oh my God, we got some global blocks to spin in that case. This is a great time to be a Knicks fan. And everybody who's rocked out, everybody who's been faithful. Look, my first year rooting for the New York Knicks, our point guard. Well, my first year seriously rooting for the New York Knicks. Our point guard was Chris Duhon. Um, I talked myself into Kadeem Allen being next. I talked myself into Frank Nilakina. So you're damn right I believe in Jalen Brunson because I've seen much worse and I know who Jalen Brunson is. Cause I, and I also know he ain't that. And finally, 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 let yourself enjoy the moment. Don't let anybody who told you that the first ranked net rating Cleveland Cavaliers would beat us, convince you that the 21st ranked net rating Cleveland, I'm sorry, Miami Heat are also going to beat us. No, 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 no. That's not how that works. We got to stick to something here. The New York Knicks, if we win game one, have a party. We win game two, have a party. Don't let any of these other salty fan bases who can't turn up like we turn up tell you anything about how happy you are because you deserve this. If you are listening to this podcast and you are a New York Knicks fan, you deserve to be here. You deserve every moment that this that comes with this. And let's keep it rolling, baby. New York Knicks in five. Let's go. All right. Uh, well, that is our show for today. Shout out to Mensa, who kept the faith. 
for months on end. Shout out to XJ, who believes in the data until the games have to be played and that he's biting his fingernails like the rest of us. <laughs> Shout out to GMAC for his random appearance, but we appreciate it. Like, again, just to re- reiterate, uh, Penn 6 on Sunday, 31st between 6 and 7 for the watch party. Uh Nick's tpublic.com slash Nick's Film School for the him t-shirt. I have one. It's fucking great. You should definitely get one. Uh, Study Hall. Study Hall will most likely be on Saturday with myself and Chris Persianen. And I know Robert Robert Cross is going to be there. Um, I already know the title of that space is going to be Why Not Us? Because Why Not Us? Um, And then John and Jeremy will be back. Well, since we play on Sunday, they'll record on Monday. have a podcast on Tuesday. Um, We'll be back next Thursday. Uh, I'm sure John will have another guest sometime in the middle of the week. Oh, I know. Actually, they're going to they're going to find Giancarlo and they're going to have they're going to have something with him. And oh, you want to talk about crow eating. That brother got some crow to eat. Um, If you're not a patron, you should sign up to be a patron. we have different tiers from the metal tier to the metal tier, the Monroe tier, the Ewing and the Ewing tier. Um, also, if you're not a news, if you're not a newsletter subscriber, you should subscribe to the newsletter. It is fifty dollars a year, um, and you get access to not only all the newsletters, but you also get access to the halftime Zoom. Um, you get access to the halftime Zoom where you can watch uh, Jonathan Macri bite his fingernails. Um, <laughs> um, so that's it. Uh, anything else, GMAC, before we get out of here? Well, you actually just alluded to something that is happening not next week, but Friday when people are hearing this. I haven't, we haven't announced it yet, so we can announce it right here. What if I told you Giancarlo and I are doing a crossover and that it's going to be live? Yes. On the campus. Ooh, oh yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so I'm ready to hate again. Let's I'm go. be in that chat, boy. I'm gonna be in that oh, chat. Yes. <laughs> so Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern on the KFS YouTube channel and all other platforms that we go live on. Giancarlo Navas of the Miami Heat Beat will be joining me for a live QA. Bring your questions. All questions, super and non-super, are welcome. We will get as many as we possibly can. As respectfully disrespectful as you can. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. I, I think you can understand what I'm saying. Like, talk shit, but don't talk too much shit. Um, but having said that, let's also let him know where he lives and where we live. So, absolutely. Uh, Giancarlo and I, KFS pregame pod crossover, Friday at 5 p.m. Be there. And bring your goalposts, because I'm sure he'll want to move them. Mm-hmm. So, make sure you bring your goalposts. <laughs> All right, so for Mensa, for XJ, for GMAC, I'm Sean for W. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Knicks Nation, let's ride. Because it's a parade inside my city, Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.